podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, guys. What is going on? Daniel Childs back here again. Full-time at Selhurst Park. Crystal Palace 1, Chelsea 3. I did not see that result coming at half-time. I don't think many of us did. I was fully expecting to be sat here at full-time, feeling very down, maybe talking about the end of Mauricio Pochettino. And it was a dreadful set of circumstances to, to find ourselves in at half time. But changes were made. One change in particular, the Chelsea players came out, played with a different intensity and in the end found a way to get the job done. And um, given what we have coming up in the Premier League, given what we saw against Aston Villa, it was a must win game tonight. No two ways about it, especially when you consider how bad Palace have been this year, how many players, key players are out for them tonight. I mean, Chelsea still tried to make it a more difficult affair than it actually should have been. And we'll get into that. But still, it's a three points. And I think that that in itself is um, hopefully another confidence or character building moment for this group of players. But I, I do think that we're maybe being a little bit simplistic if we don't ask serious questions of why it did take later changes, why it took over 45 minutes for Chelsea to kind of wake up, why so many of those reoccurring issues that we have seen play out at Chelsea to great frustration reared their heads again. We're so far into the season now that, you know, I I, I have a lot less uh, patience for them. And especially when it comes to certain personnel playing, when I just don't think it benefits us as a football team anymore, when there were alternative options available. Please let me know your man in the match, all of that good stuff. I mean, I, I think that the one frustration for me, and I said it in my pre-match uh, analysis and, and my team selected, that I didn't want to see Thiago Silva start. And that's not to say that Thiago Silva is the sole reason Chelsea were terrible in the first half. But I do think it's it's a combination of different things for me, criticising Pochettino. It's not putting down a firm statement on benching and moving beyond experienced players that are actually hurting your overall strategy, or at least from what I could see in the second half of probably what Pochettino would want Chelsea to be a lot more of. Also, just from a character point of view, you know, I, th- I think that it, it maybe sends out a bad message to younger players within the squad that those players will just find themselves back in the starting eleven quickly. I understand that Benoit Badiashil was injured, unavailable, and I understand that Levi Colwell had also just returned from injury. But I don't know, I think tonight was just firmer proof in that first half uh, beyond anything else that Thiago Silva is a player that is the past for Chelsea now, unfortunately. And I, I think that the first half for me was such a a symbol of that. You know, I was astonished listening to some of the commentary that tried to frame it as Silva was one of the actual really good players, not kind of understanding why Chelsea's play was so slow, so lethargic, why we looked disconnected in certain areas, why against a team who looked very content to sit deep, we weren't pressing up, we weren't being as intense with our passing, why maybe we weren't committing men forward. Compared to the second half when we did that, especially once Thiago Silva was no longer on the pitch. I mean, I think that these are quite obvious things. And and I think that, again, questions have to be asked of Mauricio Pochettino on that. They also have to be asked of the positioning of, say, Enzo Fernandez and Moise Caicedo. They were wonderful together against Aston Villa. But in that first half, especially once the first goal went in, it looked like desperation time. And suddenly Enzo Fernandez, maybe out of individual kind of willingness to make something happen in the game, we're suddenly seeing him not just as number 10, trying to sort of 
sit next to Nicholas Jackson up top. I mean, and and the lack of confidence within the play, the lack of urgency about the team was was really hard to take. Really, Malo Gusto for the whole of the first half was the only player who could come out of any um, decent, you know, praise or look like a player even close to what they did last week against Aston Villa. And, you know, the Jefferson uh, Lerma goal, it, it's an incredible strike from distance. I know there was some criticism and good analysis by Petr Cech about his positioning, which I think is fair. And you've got to take it with, from a guy, uh, one of Chelsea's greatest ever players. Um, but, you know, it was also a case there of Chelsea just looking so lax, so um, timid in that moment, not being aggressive enough, players going down asking for fouls. That That's something, unfortunately, I've just seen too much of, of this season from a number of players. It's not kind of pinpointing anyone. I've seen players fall down so cheaply. That's not what I want to see in this team. And uh, it, it leaves Chelsea with a mountain to climb in. And I think there weren't many of us because Chelsea had basically created absolutely nothing. 0% XG at half time. And given everything we've seen from this Chelsea side in recent weeks and months, you know, where was the confidence even after Aston Villa, especially 1-0 down? How could this team turn it around? Maybe it was the fact that Crystal Palace are a team Chelsea love beating. Maybe it was the fact that Chelsea were 1-0 down against Palace at Selhurst Park last year and we were able to come back. One of the rare times we did that last season. And then also Conor Gallagher, who I think is almost saving Poch at this point um, in this game. And and he suddenly, as Enzo maybe has now, find um, finding a goal streak when Chelsea most need it from central midfield. That first, uh, that, that equaliser was, was just the perfect, perfect moment for Chelsea. It was so desperately needed because you could very easily see a pattern of the game emerging where Chelsea maybe are huffing and puffing a little bit more now in Kunku's coming on, but then being hit on transition. The first goal completely changes the psychology of the game from a Crystal Palace point of view. And it was Malo Gusto who, I know it's hard, I, I can't give a man in a match because Conor Gallagher does score the winner in the end when once Gusto is off the pitch. But Gusto is such a phenomenal signing. He really is. I, 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 it's just such so wonderful to see that competent a player be acquired by Chelsea. And from a creative point of view, everything we'd want from Rhys James in the last two games specifically, and we've seen examples of this already this season, Gusto provides it too. That was a brilliant ball across the box, just begging someone to hit it and Luckily, Conor Gallagher was there to score his first Premier League goal of the season. And um, it, he just felt like a c- constant threat down that flank. We were constantly looking for him. On top of that, he seems to flow so well. There's so much confidence and poise about his his game all round. He doesn't seem to be um, phased by pressure, even when his team is struggling. He seems to still be at a level of performance that is, that is, is acceptable. And I think it's really nice to see that he has slotted into Chelsea so seamlessly and I don't think when we talk about the the frustrations over recruitment too many young players you you cannot put Malo Gusto in that bracket he looks more experienced and mature than some of the players on the pitch who are supposed to be more experienced and mature he's just is it is such a godsend especially with Reese James injury problems and I just think Gusto again is is proving to be such a great piece of business from Chelsea that they deserve credit for and Gusto really makes the difference in this game at the very least of getting Chelsea back into it and providing a consistent output and outlet. I was encouraged by Christopher Nkunku purely because the link up 
with him was just very exciting. You got to see glimpses again tonight of what he could provide in very tight spaces when we're coming up against a team who sit deep. Um, again, it's just about getting him those minutes, but I think there is a lot of encouragement within Kunku tonight for me. Even, of course, you know, he didn't have an, a major chance. He didn't score, but I, I was encouraged by what I see. I think there's a lot more to build off from there. Um, Cole Palmer, I think... In the end, you know, he, he was um, an influential player, uh, but it was very much huffing and puffing from him. He got in some really good areas and, and, and it wasn't his most clinical performance, but it's not that surprising. He does have some influence for Chelsea in the end again, uh, because that's how good he's been for Chelsea this season. Um, I thought in the second half as well, especially once Silva went off because of an injury and we had Levi on the pitch, there were a few moments where Palace did hit us on transition, but... I, I almost took it a little bit more because I had confidence that Dezassi and Colwell would be able to deal with those moments a lot better once Petrovic had to make a good save. Uh, but, you know, other than that, suddenly Chelsea were able to press Palace back. Suddenly we're able to find the width of the pitch, especially with Ben Chirwell and Malo Gusto as fullbacks overlapping. Um, and we and it felt as well that both Enzo and especially Caicedo suddenly looked a lot more influential in the game in the sense they were able to press forward. I was speaking about this pre-game. And again, it's, it's just so infuriating to me that it takes over a half of football to see that from Chelsea. Um, and I don't think it can all be just... Chelsea are inconsistent. The players aren't good enough. I, I don't take that as an excuse. I, I think it has to be squared at the coach. I think it has to be squared on how he is setting up this team. Why are certain players playing? Are they actually being detrimental to the whole structure of the team? And why isn't that being resolved? I think that's a big question moving forward and, and why I want to see some more consistency. Of course, injuries granted, which are a consistent problem for this Chelsea team and for Pochettino, but he did have Levi who came on later in the game. Uh, so, and he has Chalaba 2 now back in, in the squad. So uh, that was a frustration of mine. And it did look to me like Chelsea, you know, Raheem Sterling came on. And I, I felt, again, just a classic example of, you know, Sterling just not providing what he should be. You know, he comes on, he dives, he, you know, he, he comes on as well. He, he messes up a great chance. He's given the ball away cheaply. It's not that he didn't do anything good. There was a decent ball into the box for Axel Dezassi to head. Um, he did... At times, especially after Chelsea um, had scored the second, um, was maybe a, looked a little bit more influential, but there was more space there for him to kind of counteract um, counterattack into. It's just, it's again, it's another example of how experience isn't always the simple solution, which narratively is ironic given everything we speak about, given this current group of Chelsea players and given what Chelsea may be lacking this year. But unfortunately, the experienced players within the squad just aren't providing the impact you'd want of them. Um, but then the winner, and I mean, I, Palace fans must be absolutely sick of Conor Gallagher. It's it's incredible that he has gone there two years in a row now, and scored a late winner after they've gone one nil up against us. It was it was one screamer last year. He scored two this year, two now uh, Premier League goals for him. His first two of the season, both coming against Palace. Of course, scored last week as well, and hopefully this is the start of a, a really prolific end to the season for him. And uh, th those celebrations were wonderful, and you know Conor. You know, last week, I know Chelsea, you've pointed this out. They they deleted a tweet on the official account, you know, saying happy birthday to him. Maybe it was to do with some of the abuse you were getting in the comments. Um, and Connor, I've had my criticisms of Connor. I think it's been fair to have criticism of, of Connor. And you need to add that in product, absolutely. And, and that's the thing that he wasn't having in the first half of the season. If he adds that now with the work rate, with the influence he has, then he becomes an even more important player. But the idea that he should be discarded and be sold is still a, a farcical one for me. 
even if, if his performances haven't been amazing in recent weeks. Um, and it was just lovely for him. And, and, and to see those limbs, uh, you know, near the full-time whistle were, were incredible because we haven't had many of them. And to have back-to-back kind of limbs in the away and for, for Chelsea is not, unfortunately, and, and hopefully it can be resolved in the upcoming weeks and months, is not a regular occurrence. So I'm very happy to see that again. And then we were able to actually master a counter-attacking opportunity, a two-on-two that we absolutely uh, blitz and, and do really well in. Um, Enzo charging forward, such class and, and you know, such uh, subtlety in the finish as well, just to absolutely end the game, seal the points, two-in-two for him as well. So I think overall, yes, it's a vital three points. It keeps us within touching distance or at least in some relevancy to a European spot of some kind in the Premier League. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was a wonderful performance. It was anywhere close to the level of conviction and confidence I got from last week. Nowhere close. When you have, when you have a performance of that um, irrelevance, kind of, and just and disappointment in the first half, major questions have to be asked um, of the, the way the team was set up, what was being said of them. Yes, individual performances weren't good enough. I mean, Nani Manawake went completely the other way compared to what he was at Aston Villa. Um, I felt Nicholas Jackson... Maybe with some confusion over his positioning. Was he playing as a left winger? Was he playing up front? He seemed a little bit confused in that first half. Didn't impose himself as much. Enzo and Casado maybe individually could have been doing a lot better and others too. Um, but I still think, you know, the reflection of a team should be, you know, a coach, a great team should be a reflection on their coach. And unfortunately, you know, Pochettino tonight, there are a lot of things we have been very irritated by and it goes in the other direction where this is a representation of all a coach's worst traits. And for me, top of that list is personnel, which needs to be resolved. But listen, I, I as I always say, when Chelsea win a game, I'm never going to complain and moan and be overly negative because at the end of the day, a win is a win. And um, I, I just hope the confidence starts to build. But it, it, the, the performance levels have to be drastically better because next on the list is an away trip to the Etihad, a, a team who were challenging for title. I mean, the last time we faced Man City, we put in a really, really good performance. I hope we can replicate similar. Um, and then, of course, it's the, the League Cup final. So it doesn't get any easier. You know, Chelsea have had some more tame weeks and haven't always put their best foot forward. Now it gets really serious where any lapse in performance, even with our, even with a decent performance, we may still come out second best to some of these teams we're facing. Um, still some big questions to ask. So those are my thoughts. Let me know yours in the comments below. Sports Social Podcast Network.